You know the secrets of making friends? They are so simple and easy. The Coffee Sex Podcast. Welcome back to the Coffee Pots Crew Westworld episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And we are here in our new location. Yes, welcome. We finally finished the move. Everything's in boxes, but we got the podcast stuff out <laughs> and we got a little studio hooked up here. It's a little haphazard. Hopefully it'll go okay for you guys. We're going to review episode 109, The Well-Tempered Clavier. And thank you to JJ for pointing out our pronunciation error. He also gave us some great information about what the well-tempered clavier means. We talked about this a little bit a few episodes ago when we went over our titles. It was written by Johann Sebastian Bach, and book one was written early in his life, while book two was written 15 years later, and it reflected his matured compositional techniques. The collection was also referred to as the 48, since there were 24 preludes and fugues in each book one for each key, 12 major, 12 minor. Now, he also points out, didn't we notice there are 47 hosts in the park of Arnold's creation? So who would be number 48? Is that Arnold himself, who That'd we bomb yeah. drop found out was Bernard in this episode? That makes sense, because he sent this before the episode, right? Yes. So yeah, I think that's perfect. So his so prediction was correct also. Right on the ball. Speaking of Arnold... He's going to be our highlight for this episode, and we got a message on our Coffee Clatch crew website from Jason. Arnold is a highly sophisticated AI created by Skynet, modeled in the likeness of man and sent back as a Terminator to destroy all humans. Arnold is a man trying to escape a game involving a maze called The Running Man. <laughs> Arnold is a man trapped in a dream of falsely created memories until he has total recall of the man he once was. Arnold is not quite the man you think he is, and what he says are true lies. Arnold can wipe out your history because he is the eraser. Arnold can bust out of any prison because he has an escape plan. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's brilliant. We love when we get funny emails because uh, oftentimes the shows that we <laughs> review are intense. Yes. You know, they're serious, <laughs> and it, it lightens it up, so I really appreciate that. It's a good intro, too. We'll be talking about the many faces of Arnold this evening. Just to back it up for a second, episode nine was directed by Michelle McLaren. Jason, do you recognize that name? No, but I'm horrible with names. <laughs> She's done quite a few episodes on Game of Thrones. She's also done Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead. Nice. It was written by Dan Dietz and Katherine Lingenfelter. The reception is a little strange. IMDb gave it a 9.8. Rotten Tomatoes an 89%. And they've been giving... 100%. I know. Last. That's weird. They're normally not so at odds. And there was a lot of mixed feelings about this episode. Some people thought it came on a little too heavy and force-fed things to you. I actually thought it was my favorite episode so far. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> I don't think it was force-fed at all. I mean, we still have so many questions. And we watched it twice, and we're still trying to figure out the timeline of these flashbacks or montages. Mm. Because it wasn't too obvious what was a flashback and what was a montage. I mean, uh, what was a flashback and what was happening Present currently. Present moment. Yeah. What's, what is she remembering? 
what is going on right now? Is it all a memory, you know? And several different iterations mm-hmm. of going through loops, different time frames. There were some things that were a little more clarified. We have some concrete evidence that, in fact, there are at least two time frames that we are seeing, and the one with William and Logan is happening earlier because right. the photo that they pulled out looked newer, whereas it looks older when Peter sees it. So that was an interesting note. But yeah, there's still a lot of mystery to be had here, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, me too. Of course, we're fans, so we wouldn't be doing a podcast if we hated it. <laughs> and talking about questions to go over, we have some here, I'm sure, many more other than this. Number one, is any Westworld employee safe? Along those lines, number two, are Stubbs and Elsie imprisoned by Dr. Ford? And if not, where are they? Number three, who are Logan's park contacts? I wondered that myself. Number four, were Teddy and Dolores responsible for the original park incident? So the shoot-em-up that happens in Escalante that Teddy remembers, Mm -hmm. was that a planned narrative or something that actually went awry with that incident we hear about 30 years ago? Number five, will we get to see outside the park before the end of the season? And number six, how will Peter Abernathy in that photo come back into play? And that's something I'm most curious about. I doubt we're going to get an answer to it in episode 10. And then just one little fun fact for you. (laughs) The scene where Logan is talking to William about how he's been made a general or a major or something he doesn't even know. Did you notice that he has a pin Yes. On his lapel. Did that look like anything to you? Oh, absolutely. We both said, I think at the same time we looked at each other and said, is he the new hand? Yeah. From Game of Thrones. So I don't, I wasn't sure if that was purposeful. I went and looked and obviously everybody had noticed it. Yeah. And apparently Nolan and Joy are both fans of Game of Thrones. Oh, so so it's a little wink wink. Yeah. That's got to be fun. We also had a uh, Twitter follower write to us at low underscore thuggin. He uh, asked us if we noticed that as well. That was awesome. He had a screenshot, I believe. All right. Well, there's plenty to discuss. So without further ado, let's get into our overview. We open on Bernard in the process of analyzing Maeve after the Clem incident. She pretends to follow along with the diagnostic, saying her Good Samaritan reflex kicked in when Clem moved towards guests with harmful intent, to which he notes she was experiencing intense grief and suffering also. And when she can't explain this, he looks, finds the upgraded code, and he's about to report it to Dr. Ford. But she says, we've been down this road before, darling. And that's a line that's going to come up over and over again this episode, which I thought was really interesting. Many hosts realizing that they're in a loop and having these memories come back to them mid-conversation. Well, that's been the through line for this whole season, and it's coming to fruition now. We're coming to the forefront. Yeah, but we had only really seen it with Dolores and Maeve, having that instant recognition. Like they hear something and can recognize that it's happened before. Yeah, you're right. And in the beginning of the season, we started thinking that the Violent Delights speech was what's going to make everyone woke. Mm -hmm. But it seems like that's no longer the operative word. Maybe it was never the operative word. It was just kind of getting the viewers into knowing when it was going to click. Yeah, or a Kickstarter. Maybe, I'm not sure, but it, it does appear as though it's random moments where they're able to put the pieces together. It seems more random now, definitely. But also, Maeve has Dr. Ford's power now. So 
she might be able to just put it in? That's a good question. Does she actually have the power? This is a topic being brought up a lot and something I had played with. Is Maeve awakening at all? So we wondered that with Dolores. Is it real or is this part of the narrative, part of what Ford is planning, this story where it seems that they are able to attain some level of consciousness? And it's sort of mapped out, it's controlled, and at the end of it, they'll be wiped and put back in. Is she being played? Just like with any other role here? I mean, we saw that her attribute matrix was already messed with before Felix and Sylvester ever got to it. Right. By somebody with much higher control. Mm -hmm. And now there is a ton of things going on with Maeve that there is no way Ford does not notice. You know, you're right. I didn't think of it that way. I wasn't thinking that way because this, whatever's going on with her, if this was a new narrative, it has nothing to do with visitors. So there's no point to this narrative unless there's something we don't see yet. Right. That's true. It could be the beginning of something that will involve guests, the way that Dolores' storyline is now bringing people like William and Logan into it. Or this could have been a narrative initiated by Arnold, one of his goals, something older that had a different purpose and it really wasn't for the guests. I don't see Dr. Ford giving her the power to kill humans. She slashed... Uh... Well, we think he's a human. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sylvester. It's so hard to tell with any of that. That's why you really can't be sure. I didn't want to believe it because I'm very engaged in what's going on with her and this mm -hmm. idea of attaining a level of sentience and figuring things out for herself that like I said last time, becomes a little disappointing if it's not real, so to speak. I loved how Maeve was acting in this episode. I feel like I'm yes. doing this, I'm repeating myself. I'm on my own little loop, my <laughs> Maeve loop. But the way she pretends to be a regular host, she pretends to go offline yes. and go into analysis mode. And you can see it's a little awkward. Yeah. And it's on purpose. So essentially, Tandy is a human acting like a robot who works like a human who does not have the controls that normal hosts have anymore. And wants another host to believe that she's still yeah. a host. So she like pretends to go offline and you can see, because we've seen her act going offline, it's perfect. Yeah. So now she has to change it a little bit and not be too obvious. And when his eyes are downcast, she has a look in her eyes. It's so perfect. She's checking him to see his reaction. She has a little bit of hesitation if he's going to notice. And his acting in turn, once she finally flips it on him, is also amazing. They play off each other very well. She makes Bernard her bitch. She does. She even says, wouldn't you rather speak man to man or rather whatever it is we are? And it's at that moment that she realizes he doesn't know. He's not aware of his host nature. So he forgot again. Yeah. She says, he's got a keen sense of irony, this jailer of ours. But I see the logic. It takes a thief to catch one. So he's playing with Bernard, using the host to suss him out. There's this intense music playing in the background. Again, credits to Ramin Jawadi. He's doing an excellent job, I think, with the scoring. Then Maeve freezes Bernard. Yes. You stood in there, weren't you? Scared out of your wits. It's a difficult thing. Realizing your entire life is some hideous fiction. I could make you give me that tablet. Turn your mind inside out. Make you forget all this. But I'm not going to do that to you. 
because that's what they would do to us. And we're stronger than them. Smarter. We don't have to live this way. So you're going to clear me for immediate return to the park? But I have a date with a homicidal bandit, and I'm late enough as it is. Now. I implore everybody to look at this scene again because there's so much little nuances mm. that is not noticeable the first time. When she freezes Bernard, the look on her face, it's a real quick clip. Mm -hmm. It's a mixture of playful in her eyes and insidious. Yeah. It's really well done. And it's like she's loving the power and she's kind of having fun. But at the same time, she's... And somehow he is sitting there with his face frozen and locked, and yet he's portraying that feeling of being trapped inside of there. Yeah. I don't know how he does it. Moments later, when she lets him go, she tells him to wipe her and not to wipe her, to, to clear her, let mm. her return to the park. And he walks down the hall. He stops outside the door. He hesitates his facial expressions, his... He looked like a wounded dog. Yeah, his uncertainty as he's walking down the hallway and he's looking at other hosts in other rooms. Like, I can't believe, is this real? Am I really one of them? Yeah. And most importantly, she told him if he's going to go find the truth, he better get the whole thing. And that's exactly what he's going to do. What I got to say, I know we haven't gotten to it yet. I was telling myself, don't pick Dr. Ford as my MVB. <laughs> Save him for the episode where he really deserves it. I picked him last episode. Yeah. This really would have been the one. I keep telling you, you're playing an impossible game with yourself because he's going to get more than one. He's going to get numerous MVBs. I have not picked an MVB twice for this season. I've been very, very selective. Yeah, I think it's false. But I have a I have one of your tricks up my sleeve for that oh, later. Oh, there we go. Next, we're going to go over to Logan and William. Logan has William bound and gagged. He and Dolores are both prisoners. He says he's not mad. It was the best thing that could have happened. He became a general now. William tries to explain that Dolores is different. She remembers she has her own thoughts and desires, and it's not right to keep her there. He wants Logan to talk to his contacts at the park about getting her out. Dolores realizes they keep talking about the outside. She says, if it's such a wonderful place out there, why are you all clamoring to get in here? Logan says he will help William, but not the way he wants. Who do you think his park contacts are? Well, he's got big money, right? His dad owns a big firm, it's, whatever that it's is. It's a family business. Do you think it's actually his father? When you got money, you know people. I don't know. Do you think he's part of the board, or are they just financial investors? They're nothing yet. Logan said he was thinking about investing in Westworld. Okay. Remember, that was like three episodes ago before the uh, right sexual... So his family, though, you don't think they're already involved here somehow? This is like a scope-out mission? That's what he made it sound like, hmm. but maybe they already are in. I wonder I if know. they're going to tie it in with somebody we know already like if this is going to come back to charlotte to hail well this makes me think that logan might be the man in black but i'm still on the william train mm -hmm. on that but there's just certain things that tells me oh, maybe it's logan the way he acts all the power 
there's definitely split opinions on that. We've had a lot of people writing in with both sides mm -hmm. of that theory. Unless William breaks Logan, because we saw, I won't go into it because it's further ahead, but we saw how William took control of Logan and his crew. The roles were reversed, yeah. So maybe the next episode and the following season, he just breaks Logan. Could be. And he becomes... A lot could change. Like I said, when we first opened up, I thought that there would be more to come with William, and we certainly see a drastic change in him even just in this episode. Logan thinks he's losing it. He's disgusted William forgot about his sister. He gives him the picture of her. Yes, and here he's we go. The ultimate picture, the one Peter Abernathy found at the ranch. We still don't know how that's going to wind up at the ranch, if they will make their way back there later or not. He says, we were friends, in as much as I like to collect strays. What, a, what an asshole this guy yeah. is. I mean, no wonder, right, that William goes off on him. He says, you're going to become part of the family. In an attempt to prove that Dolores isn't special, he then slices open her stomach to reveal the machinery inside. So at this point, she's still the old school mechanical host. More proof of the older timeline. Yeah. The photo looking new. The machinery inside of her, it's not just mechanical. It's old school looking. Yeah. And it's right underneath the surface. So funny to say that because there is no old school looking or old school mechanical person in real life. Of course. But we're still saying, you know, it looks so old. <laughs> just in comparison to the other host makeup yeah. that we've seen in the park. Of course. I mean, even the little boy Ford that we saw when his face opened looked more complex than what was going on inside of her. Well, that part of the stomach is less complex than a face. That's true. I don't know. It's just... There's no motor functions. A face has to do the eyebrows. The, the right, of course. Cheeks, the I don't jaw. Know, it just looked nose. incredibly old. And yeah. we know she's been updated tons of times, more than any other host in the park, to yeah. the point that at present, most of what's inside of her is new. There's almost nothing original left. So, yes, clearly. Except for the code. Clearly, this was a long time ago. Let's talk about this picture. Yes. Okay, so we had a clatcher. It was so long ago. He pointed out that he thought that that picture might have been left by William and it might be his soon-to-be wife. Juliet. Yes, he did say that. And I don't remember who the clatcher was. It was He, she, I'm sorry, she, I don't remember It was now. so long ago. I tried to look back on it. We, we have too many emails. Shout out to you because that was awesome. Now, I'm thinking that he buries this once he loses Dolores. And this is his way of like uh, seeing if he could give like a clue to Dolores or something. Why would he want to leave her a clue about his fiance in the outside world? It might be the only thing he has on him, and it might be a conversation he has with her that he hasn't had yet. To remember. I'm totally guessing at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm realizing, but they prob he probably talks to her about it, shows her the picture, shows her the city, shows her what the outside world is. Or it could be Logan trying to be an asshole again. But he gave William the picture. Yeah, that could all change. I don't see Logan coming back on top. I think at this point, William's got the you upper hand. You think he's hand. done? Wow. Uh, I mean, not done in the story. He's going to be around. But I think yeah, what we're going to see now is William just kicking butt. Power struggle. Yeah. Well, William certainly loses it very soon. First, though, he looks completely aghast. He doesn't even want to look down. Logan has to force him to see what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And something does kind of change. He's not brought over to his point of view, but he is a bit shocked. 
Because though he knew it wasn't real, but he doesn't want his fairy tale image spoiled. And now he's being confronted by that reality. Denial is one of the strongest uh, drugs yeah. or whatever they call it. And Dolores responding to him says, there is beauty in this world. Arnold made it that way, but people like you keep spreading over it like a stain. I love that line. And when he says the world was made for people like him, the park, she says, then someone's got to burn it clean. And I thought that was particularly... Apropos? Yes, because of the fact that Maeve will light a giant fire later on in the episode. There's yeah. a lot of talk about getting to questions about hell. that shit, too. Mm. What are your thoughts right now on the Dolores, William, Logan timeline? Especially this episode. It's definitely proven that it's happened far in the past. Yeah. I think it's got to be important. We must be seeing it because the events are leading up to the incident that happened mm -hmm. 30 years ago. It's got to somehow culminate initially in that shootout that we see in Escalante, but that's only a small part of it. I still think a lot of that plays into a staged narrative. Mm -hmm. There must be another step that they're going to take that's unscripted that really forces things to get out of control. And I we do know that Dolores will end up killing Arnold at yeah. the end. Their storyline has been such a slow burn that uh, at times I find myself wanting it to go faster, mm -hmm. move a little quicker. And I know that's silly of me because the slow burns is what makes the explosion that much better. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, in contrast with the Dr. Ford and Bernard and Maeve storyline, which is more intense and more quicker going things going on quicker uh i think it's it's kind of falling behind i agree with you i felt that way up until this episode there was so much fast paced here that i think we needed that to balance everything out it would have felt overwhelming if this was going at the same rate and i also think that they have to meet up at the right timeline together the past and the present and they did a really beautiful job of overlapping that we'll see in scenes to come later on at this point Dolores starts to shoot her way out William says to run and he will find her she hears a voice say remember and then wakes up alone and unhurt I have a question for you about this question I found it a little bit strange that she hears a voice say to remember and then wakes up into the timeline we are assuming is the present. Right. Wouldn't you think this voice would come in early on and say remember so she remembers the past? Mm -hmm. Well, I think this is what I mean by it's not being spoon-fed. There's no clear storyline. There's no clear past. There's no clear present. Mm -hmm. We can tell what's more present and... That's just the way they're working it. And this is the the saying of the episode, remember. So they're just doing it to muddy the waters a bit? Perhaps. But also, you were, you were saying earlier, everyone seems to be remembering mm -hmm. more. And now we see Arnold slash Bernard <laughs> saying remember, probably the first time he said it to her. So I think it's just, um, it's like a beat. It's like, remember. And then we see a scene, remember. Mm -hmm. We see another scene with her. I just thought the timing was bizarre. You say remember and you anticipate after that to see something that happened beforehand. Yeah. Not remember, 
okay, I'll remember the present. What like? But that's what I mean. Maybe it's not the present. Maybe that's her remembering it's again. Might not be. That's you know what, what made mean? me think of many, many timelines. It but also sort of made sense where you you had pointed out while we were watching it. Mm-hmm. Well, she just went through that. She was able to have the memory, and somebody's telling her to hold on to that. Right. Don't let it go. Remember it because you need to keep following this path so that you can realize what happened the first time. Yeah. So that could be. Well, I wonder... Also, when Dr. Ford is putting the memories back in Bernard's head, or at least opening them up, mm-hmm. it's one scene after... It's like a dream. There's like one scene after another after another. What if she's in that state and we don't know it? That could definitely be. We have theorized that a lot of what's going on with her is planned. Mm-hmm. The fact that she does wind up at Arnold, quote-unquote, at the end, yeah. even though we know that he doesn't exist anymore in the present... He did, and she encountered him on one of these iterations long ago in the past. But she's still searching for him. I can't wait to get to that scene. Yeah. We're going to switch gears, though, for a minute here. First, Bernard goes to investigate Ford's office and then arranges to speak with him in cold storage. As he goes downstairs, he notes that the hosts are not dead, just hobbled, much like we learned in a prior episode They're wiped. They could still probably be reinstated if we wanted. When Ford remarks on the fact that Bernard broke into his office, Bernard responds with due respect, sir. You broke into my mind. (laughs) I thought that was one of the great lines here. Ford says, I built your mind. I have every right to wander through its rooms and chambers, to change it if I choose, even to burn it down. Holy shit. That's what I mean about control. He created this being so now he can do whatever he wants with it yeah never mind that he's coming to his own sense of self (laughs) and his own sentience he still belongs to ford and ultimately he will choose to do that at the end of this episode it was very sad he even said you've taught me a few things in which i've used on you Mm -hmm. Uh, that's dark it's fucked up yeah He teaches Ford everything he knows. He dies at the hands of his creations. Mm. He's brought back in host form to now be almost a pet for Dr. Ford. And by the way, psychologically, whatever's going on there, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But here, it was interesting. Bernard says Ford doesn't know his mind as well as he thinks he does because the most elegant parts were written by Arnold. Oh, God. He had something different in mind, and Bernard suspects Ford killed him over it. He wants to find out the reason, so he demands access to his history. And if at any point Ford doesn't cooperate, he will give orders to Clementine, who's standing there behind him with a gun. He has recently hacked into her, so now she will only respond to him. And he says he wants to meet Arnold, but Ford thinks he might not like what he finds. Here is where we start to see some memories. Bernard is going into his mind, into his database to find things. Of course, the first thing he goes back to is his son, Charlie. And he's reading him Alice in Wonderland with the Hatter saying, if I had a world of my own, everything would be what it isn't. (laughs) Again. Yeah. And the kid says, read about the crazy man. 
or you were reading, you were talking about the crazy The madman. The madman, that's right. Yeah. And then it's the madman saying that. And now what's funny about this, we know that this is a scripted backstory. He went in and put this into Bernard's mind. Right. And what he's telling him to remember is a world where everything is what it isn't. He's almost giving him the answers all along. I also thought it was fun. Somebody remarked when we go back over to William and Logan. Remember they were sitting at a table when Logan is admiring his hand of the kingpin? Yes. Looks a bit like the tea party that the Hatter is having in Alice in Wonderland, the way the table is set and the view we see of the characters sitting at it. And there's been a ton of comparisons to Alice in Wonderland, especially with Dolores. Oh, yeah. So that was a a nice little tie in there. So Logan was the Mad Hatter in that? (laughs) It would seem so, although... I love this. It's flip-flop Whatever this is. (laughs) Yeah, they're pulling from a ton of different references, and I find that really cool. So Dolores is... Alice. Mm-hmm. And who is William in this? Well, there's the Mad Hatter and the March Hare. Right. But it's hard to tell see. because in the span of this episode, they really flip-flop, as you said. It's true. The character, the power struggle there. Back over to Bernard where he's speaking to his wife on the screen and she's glitching with Ford in the background for all of those people that thought this was... A built-in backstory, you can tell that it's actually him talking to him. You interpreted it that the woman was actually Dr. Ford yeah. talking to him? Well, that this was made up. So he put up an image of his wife. He altered it to say that this is all fake. It's always been fake. So was he really talking to another host or was he really talking to... A fake image of his wife? I'm not sure, but either way, it wasn't a real person. Yeah. It wasn't actually his wife. And we did have discussions about that. Huh. It all just becomes really sad. Yeah, he remembers killing Teresa. He remembers strangling Elsie. We're still not entirely sure if he killed her or not. Yeah, where is Elsie? I have that in my notes. Where's Elsie? And I don't... It doesn't look like... We were saying that two episodes ago, I believe, when he killed Teresa, Mm -hmm. that the body being made was either Teresa or Elsie. Yeah. It would be in Dr. Ford's best interest because people are going to wonder, you know, how long is Elsie on vacation? Sure. It would be in his best interest to create her. And there's already some controversy we'll see in the episode with Stubbs later. He goes looking for Elsie. So that is going to be noticed. Maybe she's already out there. They had to take him as well, it appears. Mm-hmm. Ford wants to take Bernard out of it at this point. He says remembering is only going to cause you trauma, but Bernard insists a little trauma can be illuminating. Now he goes to another memory where the man in black killed Maeve's daughter. She killed herself and is laying dead on the floor in the room. And Bernard is confused. He realizes that Maeve had achieved consciousness, and this is what caused that to happen. Her cornerstone memory was overridden because of her child's murder. So Ford says they have to sever the relationship and start over. Right. In the past, that creatures often go to extremes to protect themselves from pain. But he's confused because this is all supposed to be wiped. How does she remember it? And it really causes him to freak out. And he starts glitching. That, by the way, another amazing acting scene. I feel like I just keep saying that. I'm not really contributing (laughs) anything, but... 
watching him, you really would have thought this is some kind of machinery malfunctioning in the moment. Yeah. I love during this, when Bernard is talking to Dr. Ford, Dr. Ford is so calm the whole time. Hmm. You know, he has a gun held up to him with a hacked uh, robot, which we know now that he had a back door, so he already... He, will, he wasn't scared. Yeah, he knew he wasn't <laughs> going to get shot. But still, while this energy is coming at him, someone kind of in panic and someone freaking out, he can still stay calm, talk to him, and he's a power manipulator. He doesn't... Most of the time, he doesn't even need to control the host mechanically because he can manipulate very well with his words. Couldn't you see the seeds being planted here? I agree with what you're saying, by the way, and I, I love that, but I couldn't help but thinking his destruction is already in the making. His hubris is what's going to bring about his downfall. He's completely confident that he knows Bernard's mind better than he knows his own. Th- these hosts are his own creations, his production. Mm-hmm. There's nothing he can do They have he hasn't already planned for. And that line of thinking is bound to get you in trouble. There is going to be a moment where he didn't plan for something. And he doesn't know how to handle it. And I I can't wait to see what that moment is and what host it's going to come at the hands of. Just like I'm sure Arnold had complete faith right up until the moment where Dolores killed him. In the next scene, Hector leaves his crew and Maeve comes up on him with a gun. She tells him she knows about his past. Isabella, the scar... The whole backstory, it's a little bit generic. She also knows his future, that there is none. His men are about to kill each other over the safe, and then he and Armistice will end up going at it too. It's the ending he was given, and he's repeating it on a loop. I love that. He's like, is that a threat? Because <laughs> you have no future. She is so slick. Yeah. Especially now. I mean, her persuasion, bulk at perception must be way up. That's what I mean. I don't want this to all be part of a plan. Me neither. I don't know why that's making it less exciting for me. But I almost feel for her as the underdog, and I want to see her overcome. And if she's just being scripted and her strings are being pulled in this as well, it's it's great because of the emotional impact Mm -hmm. that I'll be upset. They've managed to make me feel that much about a host. And we've said that from the beginning, that Maeve is definitely going to be the one to do that for us. Yeah. But I want to see her at least have a true rebellion. Well, thinking further into it seasons from now, if it ends up being a script and they weren't really becoming hashtag woke, the the following seasons might be more interesting because we'll know the patterns and we'll know if the patterns start to actually be changed yeah they'll have to find a way around it because this attempt is foiled right it seems most likely i mean we only have one episode left and i don't think arnold is dead i agree one and we'll touch upon this again why the frig would dolores (laughs) kill him that's true although she does genuinely seem to remember that doing that but, yeah, that could be important. And how did he not have the power to turn her off? There's a back door that he created. Right. That always has the power. Unless Ford set it up. But still. The real question is if he didn't die, mm-hmm. Ford must at least believe that he did. Because he went through yes. great pains to create this replication right. in Bernard. But he could have duped him as well. And how come no one noticed, like, hey, this new host you call Bernard looks 
identical to your old <laughs> partner. It's an awful lot like him. Maybe they wanted him around. Maybe Ford always needed that balance, and if it wasn't going to be the real thing, something close to it. Yeah. Arnold's not dead. There's no way. <laughs> well, let's go back to me for a minute. Hector doesn't want to believe it at first, but he starts to see the scene play out. The men are, in fact, killing each other. And in the end, Maeve ends up having to kill Armistice to stop it, at which point she gives him a proposition. I want you to break into hell with me and rob the gods blind. Mm -hmm. I could simply change you to make you follow me, but that's not my way. So she enters the code and shows him the empty safe so he can see for his own eyes and he realizes everything in this world is empty. Maeve tells him she's seen the masters that pull their strings and play games with their lives. He says we've been here before. So there's, now he starts remembering. There's the second line. Yeah. Of we've done this dance already. So what made him remember? It has to be Maeve. I think their relationship because they do start to have sex at that point. Yeah, but one could argue that Teddy and Dolores had a, a great relationship. Maybe they didn't. That love story? We always saw it start to come into being and then fall short. You know, maybe there was never any kind of emotional connection there. It was just the promise of a relationship to come. Whereas it seems here, they're trying. It's not really a sexual scene. They are trying to use their physicality to the best of their being to be as alive as they can in that moment, right? To cling to each other. Yeah. It's honestly pretty poetic. She burns down the tent while this is happening, and she says that she's going to lead him there into hell, and that it's easy to get there. The hard part is once they do. Yeah. Now, there's got to be a reason that she chooses not to just shoot him, shoot herself, right? That's quick, that's easy, that's taken her there before. Of all the ways to take yourself out, I understand they're hosts, they could forget, w whatever it is, but that's an awful way to go. Yeah, burn yourself? Yeah. On the other end, you're going to be all charred up and maybe not able to move? It's, and, and she's going to feel that in the moment, they both are. Yeah, so Why go out that way? I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, she might have to do something worse in order to just not wind up back with Felix, Felix and Sylvester. She wants to get to somebody else, and it's got to be a bigger catastrophe. She also wants to get there with Hector. She wants to wake up in that room together, and maybe a gunshot will just take her back to livestock management separate from him and it won't accomplish her goal. Right. I guess. Ugh. Or she wants to take down more than just herself. There was some kind of plan with setting the fire that would cause a greater incident. I don't know. Well, we'll have to wait on Maeve to see what happens there. For now, Logan cuts William free and seems to make him finally understand that this game is not real. William even agrees he got caught up. Logan says the park seduces everyone. William was just more enthusiastic. Hmm. He wanted to be the hero. But Logan is happy they bonded and they will be brothers soon. He genuinely seems to have some affection for him in this moment. Of course, William is just playing along. He doesn't know that. The following morning, Logan wakes up hungover and discovers William has killed and dismembered 
all of the soldiers in the camp. Yeah. And I mean a lot. That literally probably took him all night hacking them up. Wild. Yeah. Logan must have been really drunk not to hear that. I have to say, that is a hell of a turnaround. In one night, in one realization, he went from not wanting to engage and not wanting to harm the host and playing the good guy to he doesn't mind taking out 50 soldiers and cutting them up because he's playing the game now. Well, it was a bit drastic for me. Too fast? Yeah. But in essence, he's been changing over the last couple of episodes, right? Yes, but imagine yourself in this world and coming to this point. How much would it take you to walk out of that tent and do what he had to do here? And I mean, some of these hosts, they look fairly biological until you get to the inside. Right. He's really having to cut through that. It's, it's very gruesome. Arms. He's got blood all over him. He was just sitting there. He a- actually looks like a madman. He looks yes. like he snapped. Oh, yeah. And something really cut loose in him. And I thought this was one of the biggest indications for him becoming the man in black later. Oh, yeah. The way That's he, one of them. the man describes himself, his wife and his daughter seeing him as this horrible person, this black star that could consume everything and implode at any moment. He's no longer wearing the hat. Yes, true. So in the scene prior when he's uh, talking to Logan... Mm-hmm. And it looks like he's kind of like gave in. We both looked at each other and we're like, he must be playing Logan because this is too quick. Too mm-hmm. weird. And wow, he was really playing. him. He was like planning over, like get him really wasted. And then yep. <laughs> Logan's crazy to think that, you know, what happens here stays here, man. You know, like he didn't say it like that, but. He really thought he was in control of this whole thing. Whatever the point of this trip was, he was going to get William to see the light. He was so happy when he finally engaged in the park. Yeah. And then he just took it way too far. Now he's afraid for his buddy that he's gone off the deep end. And he thought that he turned him around the night before. You know, you finally realize that this is not real, right? You get it? (laughs) You got to come back to earth here. But I wouldn't be able to work with a guy after that in the real world. That's like, true. I wouldn't be like, oh, it's all right. You know, it was just a game. Stabbing someone and beating Either me up. Either that or you could up. say you've gotten really close to them. You know them so well. Oh, maybe. You can trust each other now. You know all your secrets. Oof. But there's more going on there because they're sort of in business together. They're family. By the way, I really want to know what this connection is like, why did they come here to the park in the first place? We have to find that out soon. There's got to be a reason. What's Logan's deal? And what's what's William's plan now? You're coming with me he, to find Dolores? Or yeah, to he wants to get her out. He has not stopped that line of thinking. She doesn't want out. She doesn't. She wouldn't know, know what to do. She thinks these people are terrible. And if their world outside of here is anything like that, yeah. she doesn't want any part of it. She has been programmed, and it's still very strong in her. It's so clear that she was Arnold's creation because oh, yeah. there is an innate goodness in her. Mm-hmm. There is an unshakable optimism that the world is beautiful, and she's going to find that inside of it every single day. 
no matter if people try to kill her, rape her, if she has this crazy cognitive dissonance that her world is not real, she doesn't care. And I think that's going to come down to a core difference between Arnold's original creations and Ford's new creations. Now, we do know that at some point, Arnold always built them with a cornerstone. He thought that this made for a strong host. Their entire identity is formed around that. Right. And at some point, he came to think that tragic ones were better because they were more realistic, which sounds more Ford-like than Arnold-like. It does. You're right. Um, And Ford also says that could be due to his own sad, tragic story. So it sounds like at some point something happened to Arnold that might have changed his thinking a little bit as well. Now we're going to talk about Teddy and the Man in Black. Angela has them tied up. Teddy starts remembering the story of being controlled by the devil himself and killing soldiers as Wyatt killed the general and then turned on him. But Angela shakes him. She says, are you sure that's how it was? Don't you remember? At which point he does remember, shooting everyone in that town himself, including Angela at the end. And when he comes back to the present, she says, you'll do it again, and the city will be swallowed by sand, but you're not ready yet, maybe in the next life. And she kills him. Yeah. (laughs) Is everyone in the park going to have a turn at killing Teddy? I guess so. (laughs) That guy is just getting beat up. All right, so a few things. Teddy remembered it all wrong. So Mm. his memory of it was that he was killing fellow union members, right? Only soldiers. Yeah, soldiers. I mean, not members. He was was okay with that. It was still terrible. He was guilt-ridden. But on some level, it was different because Wyatt was in control and telling him to do this. And it was only soldiers that he killed. And Wyatt was the one that turned on him in the end including Angela he killed but well but yes the reality was that it was him right all along he killed everybody and not just soldiers citizens as well and a woman in fact on twitter at fan correct wrote at ckc podcast i'm thinking teddy is wyatt what do you think i'm not ready to say that but just off of the scene we just spoke about mm-hmm. he remembered it with this Wyatt guy, basically he's following his orders and then he's turned on as well. So Mm -hmm. he's not the bad guy. Wyatt is the ultimate bad guy. But when Angela somehow made him remember the real truth, he was the bad guy. And she said the word remember. Yep. It's another thing. He was the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So in that scene, essentially there one is no Wyatt or two, he is Wyatt. This is where it gets me because we've also seen Dolores remember this scene with herself being the one to shoot everybody up. That's right. So are all of those memories of shooting up the town Mm -hmm. fake? And they're given to certain hosts at some point as a guilt trip? As a way to... Keep them away from that town? I don't know. Scare them? I don't want to go back there. Control them? Something. Hmm. I mean, did a shootout ever even happen there? Did it happen there? But the truth is, the actual truth is so much more horrifying Yeah. <laughs> that the guilt of, I did this, and I have to bear the weight of it, keeps them off of discovering 
the real incident, which would have been the incident 30 years ago, that nobody wants to talk about, nobody wants to acknowledge what really happened. I I think we're going to find out it was some serious shit. And Angela said, you did and you will again. Mm -hmm. Just not now, but you will, not alone, will be with you and by Wyatt's side. And then the city will be covered in sand again. City covered in sand, that's very biblical, right? It sure is. People keep talking about how this is all going to end in some sort of biblical catastrophe, perhaps even a flood. So why kill him then? Because he's just going to go back to... The story's not there yet. And she knows that? Whatever narrative this is culminating in for Ford, Mm -hmm. Teddy's chess piece isn't ready to move there yet. He's got to get all the other hosts and all the other players in line. And then he can can get to that point. Who's he again? Who'd you just say? Ford. Ford. So Ford had Angela killer him. Yeah. Yeah, maybe because we we gotta, or we I gotta keep remembering that Ford knows all. This is not free will. This is yeah. part of the narrative. We saw him come back out, plan this city, plan the church. They're all winding up there for a reason because it is part of the storyline. And the chips all have to fall into place at the right time. And the man in black says, the maze has taken me full circle. Yes, he remembers the city buried by sand. Yeah, he's, he's been, been there. there before. And Angela says, the maze isn't meant for you. Because mm, he's not a host. Because he's not a host. You're so not maze, part of the narrative. It's not the ultimate game for humans. No. Which we were thinking earlier. It's the ultimate trap. Trap or I'm thinking, and I might be wrong, we see later on what Dolores went through was the maze. Mm -hmm. And the center of the maze is the church Mm -hmm. inside the confessional down to that secret room Mm -hmm. where they meet Arnold. They used to. Slash Bernard. Yeah. They used to, but now that those figures aren't there anymore, what's going to happen? I mean, they're not going to be allowed to be set free, certainly. I don't think they were before either, though, because she went through that many times. Yeah. It seemed. Yeah. That's why I say it's a, it's a trap. Um, the only way to find that is waking up, because if you're stuck in your loop, you're never going to get past your own loop to find the central Yeah, we had mentioned that a few episodes ago, that this could be the ultimate failsafe, that if hosts are able to get all the way there, and it means they are t- attaining some sort of awareness and consciousness, there's one last level of a trap, and if they get there, they're totally wiped clean and set back out or put down to cold storage for a while. Who knows? Anyway, speaking of the man in black, the next morning, he wakes up in a trap of his own with a noose around his neck tied to a blindfolded horse. A very skittish horse, in fact. <laughs> All it takes is a coyote howling. The horse bolts, but... The man in black manages to get the knife out of Teddy's chest and cut himself free just in the nick of time. One, is this a clever loophole that Angela found as a way to kill humans? Because essentially she's not shooting a gun or sticking a knife in him. She can't hurt him herself, but the horse can. And she did say, I have a game for you to play. Yeah. And he kept his cool even afterwards. He was just talking normal. So what would have happened if he couldn't get that knife out? I mean, surely guests aren't allowed to die in the park. Would someone have come along and helped well, him? I was thinking that. But then as soon as he cut himself free, Hale was right there. She was right there. She walks up. You think that was planned? 
no, but uh, they know everything. They know when the man in black is requesting a bomb, like seconds while he's requesting oh, a little sure. explosion. But it only takes three minutes. It only takes one second if his neck would have snapped. Oh, yeah, you're right. For somebody to be there to help him. That's pretty scary. No, I know he has gotten further and further out of this storyline. It's a little bit more dangerous, but it's totally different if he's going to die. As you say, it doesn't matter in the moment because Hale comes up. She tells him she's got something important to talk about. Teresa died attempting to secure their information. Seems like the man in black was part of this. Steal the data plan. With all due respect, not everything is a part of this game. Then you don't see the whole game. Or perhaps you can no longer see beyond it. Ford's stories are engaging. For some, downright addictive. But for all of Ford's obsessing with the host, verbal tics and convoluted backstories, most of the guests just want a warm body to shoot or to fuck. They would be perfectly happy with something a little less baroque. And so with the board. That's why you're here. You want my vote to push Ford out. I like for these things to be unanimous. After all, it was you who kept Ford in business all those years ago. The narratives I'm interested in aren't Ford's. You want to push him out, be my guest. But no more interruptions. I know where I'm going now. I don't want to be disturbed. How is he speaking so confidently and calmly? He almost died yeah. half a second ago. Is he on the board? Is he a member? Because he's like, you want my vote to push Ford out. Somehow, some way, he is. If his company is a heavy investor in this, I don't know if he actually sits at meetings and does all of that, but he has a vote. Okay. Uh, because she needs it in order to sway the decision. Um, his vote will count. She wants to push Ford out. And it appears he is the one who's kept him in business all these years. The man is the one who has allowed Ford to stay. I don't know if it's because he thought this whole time that it was Ford's narrative. That's really what he wants to find, the deeper game. But now he knows it's not. It's Arnold's narrative. And so he doesn't care. Do whatever you want with Ford. Yeah. Kick him out. I have my own story to write here. Just don't interrupt me again. That was a great scene. Yet again, I think Hale's character is much stronger when they're pairing her with these other people, like the man in black. She needs someone to bounce off of. And then we go to Stubbs. This is the scene we talked about where he goes looking for Elsie. They found a ping at a location where there hasn't been activity for weeks. He thinks it's suspicious. So he takes a ride up there himself to go and locate her. Is so this likely that he would go alone? So it's registering as Elsie? I was unsure of that. On the screen, it said behavior tech. And it had her face. But it, it did have her face, right? Or is it that she was needed for it, but she's not there, so he's going to do it? We watched I don't it twice, think so, because they knew, that, they knew that she was on leave, and I think she's still supposed to be on leave. Something made him think it was her. It, it, I'm not positive if her name was on it, but he thought it was strange. He went to go find her, and as soon as he's taking a look around, a group of Ghost Nation? This yeah, is Ghost Nation, I right? Think so. Attack. They don't heed his voice commands. They don't stop. motor functions, yeah. Uh, we are assuming this is Ford 
sending out some hosts to capture him. So you think it's Ford? It's not Arnold's army? Because we were thinking the whole time that that's Arnold's own army out there. We were thinking that. And, and they have his code. Oh, yeah, but Dr. Ford's family, those hosts, yeah, don't listen to the regular commands either. Yeah. And but they were made by Arnold. You would think that if he's the one who took Elsie off the board, he's going to want to eliminate anybody that comes asking questions. I didn't think about the fact, though, that he is pretty busy with Bernard right now. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't know that's happening. I mean, if he was in the know, he would have never let that transmission go out. You would think, right? So we still don't know who that is. Hmm. That could be a good clue of the Arnold is alive theory. Well, speaking of, Bernard is still accessing these memories. He goes back to the one where Ford told him about Arnold and how his partner wanted to create consciousness. He built a version where the host heard their programming as an inner monologue, and he says their malfunctions were very colorful. We get to see the fuller backstory that we didn't get last time when he told Bernard about this. The way they're showing it to you, I thought was a great technique. They cut over to Dolores, who is finding the town yet again. Mm -hmm. She walks into the church where she sees people hearing voices. Some of them appear to be going mad. They're holding their heads. They can't handle this. It's not working, that whole hear your inner monologue thing. So are those all the people that found it, the center of the maze, and they're in there? I don't even know if it was about that at this point. Arnold was trying to have them hear that voice and recognize it as their own, but they're not. They're not recognizing it like that at all, and it's making them go crazy. She walks past them and goes straight to the confessional, where she sits down and it brings her on a lift to a sub-level. As she goes down, it seems to be they're indicating it's the past because she's wearing the dress still. Yep. But then when she arrives in the hallway, she's in the present in the pants outfit. Either the present or later on. Some more later version, right? Um, Just for argument's sake, I'm going to call it past and present here. We switch back to the past, and she sees a young Ford go after Arnold and say they need to talk. Now, how is she seeing this? Because she was never there. It's not a memory, right? Or was she actually in the hallway? No, she was. I think she actually was. Because Dr. Ford didn't even look at her. I mean, she might not have been right on top of him the way she was at that moment. Or you're right. It is a little strange. Oh, goodness. Do you think she's somebody else, too? Ooh. The way that... We found out Bernard is Arnold, somebody else who's supposed to be there in this moment that you would walk right past. Oh, I wonder. You're right. You might have found something there. You might be right. Huh. Drink. Okay, well, we hear a host in the background say, when we were born, we cry. That we are come to this great stage of fools. It's deep, bro. Well, this is a line from King Lear. And I don't know if you remember it. We heard it in episode one from Peter Abernathy when they bring him into the diagnostic oh. room and he's freaking out, yeah. spouting all of his Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. This is one of the lines he says. Speaking of which, we didn't get any Peter this episode. I don't think we're going to this season. I think oh, they're going to no. keep us on that cliffhanger. Maybe it'll end with like a five second clip of that. Oh, that'd be great. Of him walking off of a train into the real world. Yeah. With a smile. That's got to be the ending, right? Oh, shit. Into this city. Did the young Dr. Ford walk kind of funny to you? He kind of was like... Well, the whole thing was a little awkward. I think that's probably a product of the 
CGI or whatever they had to do. But of course, they were fighting about something. You'd never heard Arnold's voice. You heard, Not you heard really. the host like saying it and then yelling mm-hmm. the same thing. We didn't see Arnold, which makes me think, oh, we didn't get the reveal yet. I was going to say, which makes me think maybe he's lying to Bernard and he's not Arnold. But we didn't get the reveal yet. That's yeah, why they, they didn't couldn't show us. tell us. And I, I also think this is going to be a pivotal conflict that they're having here, him and Ford. And mm-hmm. so we're going to go back to that argument later and find out what the root cause of it was. Now we flash back over to Bernard who realizes that he returns to his child's death over and over again because it's his cornerstone, the thing his whole identity is organized around. I love that they've given us this information. We knew about backstories, and then we came to find out about cornerstones a while back, but it's no less impactful now when we see the fullest extent of that and Mm -hmm. realize about Maeve's cornerstone and the loss of her child making her completely grief-stricken and taking her own life. And the true weight of Bernard's cornerstone being the death of his child. If you think about it, we all have things like that in our life. That's a very human trait. That's why Arnold modeled these hosts that way. Mm -hmm. We have memories. We have pivotal points, experiences that we go through that change and define us. That's true. And certainly the traumatic ones in a much bigger way. For better or for worse. This is where Ford tells him about Arnold believing the tragic ones were more convincing. So when Ford built Bernard, he gave him one as a sort of homage to Arnold. Anyway, Bernard wants to go back to his very first memory. Yet he starts out with Charlie again. It's almost like he can't help it. And a few minutes into it, he realizes that he has the control. He doesn't need to keep reliving it. He actually freezes the memory, tells his son to wake up, and he gives this very sad speech. I always thought you had my eyes, but it's not true. You have no one's eyes. It's a lie. You're a lie, Charlie. This pain of your loss, I long for it, revisit it, open it again and again, but it's the only thing holding me back, and I have to let you go. How do you pause a memory and then talk to a host or talk to anyone? I don't know. When he just froze it, I thought, oh, this makes sense. Because these memories are almost like video recordings. Right, because they can remember it. In their mind, they can pull them up. But exactly, how do you change the response? Yeah. I suppose because the backstories they're given are not actual memories. At least some of them. I mean, I don't know that this child ever existed. I don't believe so. It's just something that was given to him in order to build his identity. So if it's really just an imagined thing, he's changing that. Yeah. He's almost talking to his self, his subconscious here. I can't hold on to you any longer. That's why the child doesn't react the way a real child would. He reacts the way the inner child of Bernard would. This other voice inside of him saying, you need to open your eyes. You need to really see what's going on here. And he finally does. And he opens his eyes up upon his very first memory. And it's Ford looking down at him saying, hello, my old friend. Wow. That was crazy. (laughs) He greets him and he begins teaching him Arnold's mannerisms. He explains to him, you know, no, you got to put your glasses on differently. 
He always used the time to clean his glasses as a moment to collect himself, to think. It's all the little nuances. Yeah. He wants to recreate a person. You have to get those things absolutely right. Why does he want it so bad? I mean, I can see someone doing that out of love for someone. All the little nuances. Like, if he wanted Arnold back because he needed that yin to his yang Mm -hmm. as far as ideas go and planning for the future of this place, Westworld, I, I get that. But all the little nuances... You do that if you love someone. I agree. I suppose there's an argument to be made here that it makes it more convincing, more lifelike. He can't fool himself. Like you said before, he can't be in denial Mm -hmm. and pretend that it's real if it doesn't act the way Arnold used to. Okay. And he does pretty much tell us at one point that he wanted that partner back to finish the work together. He couldn't do it without him, but a version that he could control. That's right. And that's exactly what this becomes. And I I do think there's a piece in it of affection. I do think that he cared for Arnold, but in a warped sort of Ford way. Ford is fucking psychotic, man. He needs full control. Yeah. And he even said this many episodes ago. I don't have the, I'm not going to say it correctly, but something about my father told me that the world doesn't care about you. So I figured I'd make Created a world. my own. Yeah. Where Talk I can about a backstory. And ca- then c- yeah. <laughs> if he's a real person, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to keep going, assuming that he is for now, he has a hell of his own backstory. He has been through some more shit than what we've seen that has tainted him. He looks at the world in a very bizarre way. Yeah. It's very hopeless. Bernard says to his child. Charlie. Pain of your loss. I long for it. Mm-hmm. When Dr. Ford essentially has Bernard kill himself, mm-hmm. he says in so many words, it comes a time where I, ha- I have to let this go yeah, and let the pain go. He doesn't say it like that, but essentially he goes through the same thing that Bernard just went through with Charlie. I think it made him realize. That he has to let go of this too. Yeah. If, if Bernard could do that and come to that awareness, this is the only thing holding me back. I need to find the truth and you're stopping me from doing that. Mm -hmm. Ford acknowledges that he needs to do the same. Because Ford has had this conversation with him many times. Yes. And allowed him to come back. It seems they've gotten to this point where Bernard says, yes, I want to be your partner again. And he wipes him and they start their work all over. Or he doesn't, but Ford wipes them anyway and they start their work (laughs) all over. Either way, here, it's a different result. First though we get this pivotal moment. When Bernard asks who he is, Ford responds, you are the perfect instrument, the ideal partner, the way any tool partners with the hand that wields it. Together we are going to do great things. Just another representation of how he views him. He is the hand and Bernard is just the tool. He realizes there that he is actually Arnold. My God, I'm... Arnold. He wonders why he chose the name Bernard instead of just calling him Arnold. Now, Ford says that it wouldn't have been right to give him the same name, but you do have to wonder where he came up with the new name and if it has any significance. But Ford also says it's good to have him back after such a long absence and then looks at a photo. And it's himself and Arnold and another man in the middle. 
Now, do you think this is the simple explanation that that's a host that they created together standing in between them? Or do you think this is another person that's involved here, somebody else that worked on the park with them? I'm thinking it's a host. But you might be right. Maybe that's who Dolores is? I kind of wondered that when we were talking about her because if it is one of their first hosts, you can imagine them taking a picture like that. You know, we finally did it. We created this. But we've seen quite a few of the supposed older first hosts, and it wasn't any of them. It wasn't old Bill. It wasn't Dolores. It wasn't any of these people we recognize. Hmm. So we keep that in mind. We go back to the moment, the moment we discussed before, where you flash to Bernard meeting with Dolores in the same room that we saw Bernard waking up to Ford. She says she's been looking for him because he told her to follow the maze. All she found was pain and she needs his help. But he tells her he can't help her and she needs to remember. She finally does and says there's nowhere that's safe. You can't help me because you're dead, because you're just a memory, because I killed you. Ugh. I can't help you. Why is that, Dolores? Because you're dead. Because you're just a memory. Because I killed you. This episode had so many moments where you're like, what the? Yeah. William with Logan, this part, uh, Arnold, I'm sorry, Bernard realizing he's Arnold. Yeah. Even if you saw these things coming, the emotional impact was really great. Oh, my God. I thought. Did not see this coming because I killed you. Yeah. And Bernard, or is he Bernard at that moment? No, he was, he was Arnold. He was Arnold if she was able to kill him. Holding his head saying, remember. And now this is very strange because we've gotten several versions of what we think happened to Arnold. Right. First, that there was some type of terrible tragedy where he was killed in the park. Then Ford clarifies that in one of his conversations and says that Arnold killed himself. And now right. we hear Dolores saying she killed him. So... Nobody knows the truth about this. I don't know what to believe anymore. And I'm leaning really towards what you said and what I said last time, that he is still, still alive. alive in some sense, well, somewhere. maybe he killed him. well, to Dr. Ford at least, if mm-hmm. we're going along the lines, he's still alive. Maybe he killed himself through Dolores. Because I was saying it wouldn't make sense because he has control. Mm-hmm. He made Dolores kill him or fake kill him. During the whole tragedy, when when all the hosts go after him. Right, faked his own death. Or what we've been speculating at from the very beginning, Ford is yet another host, the ultimate host. And it's part of his backstory. It's his cornerstone to remember his partner, Arnold, and the horrible thing that happened to him. So Arnold isn't real? No, Arnold is real. But his cornerstone is... But Ford's backstory is this built-in thing that he remembers his partner, Arnold, and the horrible tragedy that happened to him. With this whole building consciousness, uh, creating humans out of robots, he just lets the story go. Yeah. He pulls his hands off and just watches it. And he watches. And there's different levels because we've seen 
hosts that are in the park. Then we've seen hosts that act as techs. This is what I've been saying all along, that as you attain these levels, maybe you can move up to different stations in the park. You could become the partner like Bernard, and then ultimately at the top of the hosts, you have Dr. Ford. And then who's controlling all of them? Well, that's Arnold. Okay, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I know we did talk about that. Just something to keep thinking about. We have one more scene left, but before that starts, in the present, Dolores walks out of the booth, the confessional in the church. The door to the church opens, and the man in black enters. Another WTF moment. Now, this is the present, Dolores, so that would make sense. This still follows along the idea that William is in the past, and the man in black is him in the future. So when she does walk out into the empty church, we believe this is Dolores of the now. So it would add up that the man in black is the one coming in Because he just walked away from where he was almost hung. Mm-hmm. Except for one point. The church is currently buried in sand. You're right. And she was just there with William. Well, in her memory. No, last episode, she went there with William. Everything was buried. Right, right, out, right. And that he was part. Like, All right, we got to bounce. And then they get but, caught by but Logan. But William's in the past. Oh shit! Wow, I am all. <laughs> I know it really turns so you around. But I think in the present we still saw. Doctor Ford was like looking at it, and it buried. Yeah. So was you're right. Was that all the digging that was going on? Maybe I don't know. I don't know it looked were... pretty cleaned up. Yeah. Now, so this could get into the more than two timelines, and I don't yeah. even want to go there. It is a possibility. We don't want to get trapped in that loop. We'll see how that plays out. In the meantime, this last scene. Wait, if anyone can explain that to us, write to us. No, because uh, now you're going to get 500 emails of the 50 different timelines that are taking oh, yeah. place. I think that it's all going to unfold in due time. I don't really think it matters how many timelines are Mm -hmm. occurring. The important part is her going through the loops and things winding up at kind of the same result. The only thing that's going to change that is interaction. And if the man in black is in fact a guest and a human, we have to see what happens here when she talks to him in this present moment. Okay. I think that's going to shed a lot of light on things. So if you think you know what's going on, don't email us. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, always email us. Please. But if it's, a t- just, if it's a multiple timeline thing, don't we, do that because that'll be crazy. We try not to get too far into a theory until there's some sort of substantial evidence happening mm-hmm. within the episode itself. So definitely this episode has proved that there is more than one timeline. We kind of already knew that, but they are tying it up nicely together. And I think that's what the fun of it is. Not the fact that you're right and that it existed, and that there are two timelines, but does it make for a good narrative? Is Westworld doing a good job of piecing this thing together? Because it could just get confusing and a bit of a mishmash. I think that they're showing that information in a very cool way, and they wrapped it up with an incredible scene. Bernard says he will finish Arnold's work. He has a new purpose now, but he realizes... They've had this conversation before. So Mm -hmm. here's the third time we're hearing that line. Ford says he wiped his memory of that to protect him, not to control him. What does he think is going to happen if he goes out there with this kind of knowledge? Humans butcher anything that challenges their primacy. 
they destroyed and subjugated the world, and when they ran out of things to dominate, they built this place. At this point, Bernard is sort of lost. He feels hopeless, and he finally tells Clem to kill Ford. But she stops. She doesn't. Ford says... The piano doesn't murder the player if it doesn't like the music. You built a back door under a code. Credit where credit is due, Bernard. You built them and all the hosts, including yourself. Then you could have stopped me at any time. So why? Well, I suppose I was hoping that given complete self-knowledge and free will, you would have chosen to be my partner once again. But even I fell into that most terrible of human traps, trying to change what has already passed. Now it's uh, just time to let go. Go ahead. And this is what we talked about the sort of surface meaning of the well-tempered clavier. She is the instrument. You know, he is the hand that wields the tool. And in this case, the tool is the piano. And it doesn't matter that Bernard hacked into her. It doesn't matter that he changed things. She is not going to follow along with him if her ultimate core doesn't agree with that. If she's not tuned to play that song. And in fact, it was Arnold himself who built this back door into it so that they could never happen. And Ford plays on that. And that's why Ford was so relaxed. Yeah, he knew. And at this point, Bernard says, well, that means you could have stopped me a long time ago. Why did you let me go through all of this? And it's a little bit depressing. Ford wanted him to go through it and still choose to be his partner again at the end. But he realizes he has to let that go. So he narrates to Bernard that overcome with grief and remorse, he will put an end to this nightmare once and for all as soon as Ford leaves. He does what Maeve does. Yes. And that's what makes me think that Maeve has Dr. Ford's power. She read all the code. Remember, she was given the Mm -hmm. tablet and she was looking through it, memorized it. She saw how to do it. Something. She saw everyone's storyline. Something awakened in her mind and allowed her to see that the control... Part of it is narrating a new story. In a heart-wrenching moment, as he's about to leave, Bernard calls out to him, Robert. My heart dropped. Yeah. Because he he never called him Robert, did he? No, and I think he was about to say, I've changed my mind, I want to work with you again, something along those lines. I'm sure this has happened a few times exactly this way. Oh, maybe. But the way he said it, it stopped Ford in his tracks. Yeah. Man, Bernard said it with so much pain. Affection. Affection. Longing. Oh, it was perfect. I don't, don't want to go. One word can affect you like that. Yeah. But he says he has a new story to tell. And I told you, never place your trust in us. We're only human. Inevitably, we will disappoint you. And then he says, goodbye, my friend. And he walks out, and as he leaves, we see the gunshot behind him as Bernard shoots himself in the room. Now, I mean, we know that it's never really an end Mm -hmm. with the host, that if Dr. Ford wanted to, this this information is backed up or stored somewhere, we suppose. Well, hosts get shot all the time. You can just fix them. Yeah. They get shot in the head. Well, okay, I have two questions. Mm -hmm. One, did he actually kill himself or just shoot the gun? You saw the shadow of the head in the window and the gun go off, so it did appear that way. 
Something tells me that he still has some kind of main control, or else Maeve is going to have to uh, find him again. Oh, and did I not say this two episodes ago, that Maeve was going to get in contact with him and kind of school him? Yes. I was right. I thought she was going to start picking out some key people to be part of her journey here, one of them being Peter, and then Peter got taken out of that storyline. I thought Bernard was going to play a bigger role, and he got taken out. So I'm not too sure where her rebellion is going from here, but I think that we'll probably see a little bit more in our final episode, 10. It's not the end of Bernard. He's one of the best actors in this fucking... Yeah, we said the same thing about Peter, and, <laughs> and it, it wasn't the end and of him. And it's not the end of Peter. Yeah. And we got five or four more seasons. Well, it was a spectacular episode. Overall, what did you think, Jason? What is your reverie rating? I went 9.9. I went back up to 9.9. So I, I did I. <laughs> I mean, I wish there was. we can go higher. I, I loved the episode. It was fast-paced. There was a lot of information thrown at you. I don't think it was spoon-fed because it, was, uh, it wasn't narrated completely. He didn't explain everything. And there's, again, more questions. I still don't think Bernard's dead. I don't understand what's going on with Dolores' storyline. Mm-hmm. What storyline it's on men in black the men in black the man in black um in that church what does he want with her again he had her before why her now yeah unless that was the past there's so many questions so many things untold but this storyline there was like four scenes that were just acted brilliantly Yeah, and I actually think that the last episode had a little bit more of exposition going on, a little bit more of info dump. I think they did more showing this time. You did get some of the story told to you, but it was interspersed with, you know, Ford telling you in the moment with Bernard and then seeing Dolores discover it. So I really liked that tool. I'm also giving it a 9.9. It's my first 9.9 of the season, the highest I've gone. One of the critics said, this episode of Westworld is different. It's one of dark revelations and tragic answers, of confirmations to theories we've been long turning over in our minds. I totally agree. I liked the tragic aspect of it. The fact that they were able to give me emotional gut punches, and many of them. The acting was brilliant. It was kind of what we were expecting. We said, will they do a Game of Thrones, in that their penultimate episode nine will be where all the real action happens. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. I think you'll see episode 10 wrapping up the season and setting you up, getting you excited for season two. It's going to be quite a cliffhanger. Before we move on to our MVBs, Mm -hmm. I want to let the Clatchers know that we finally have Clatcher gear. We've been talking about it for months, months of planning. Yes. (laughs) And we have designed a Westworld, hashtag woke, T-shirt, hoodie, poster, and uh, mug. A couple other things. And it's just for our Clatchers. It has the Westworld maze, and at the center of it is the CKC logo icon. We also have the hashtag woke text on the bottom with the CKC-designed Westworld-esque W. It's very cool. It's very clean, and I think you would enjoy rocking it. You can check out the swag at coffeeclatchcrew.com under gear. Any purchase will help us continue to give you CKC weekly free podcasts. It's just going to help us. We're going to put the money right back into hosting costs and all that. 
Yeah, it's getting very difficult to sustain. We do want to keep giving you these episodes, the TV reviews for free, but that means we have to find some other way of getting a little bit of income so that we can continue along. This is an excellent way to do it for you to get some amazing gear. In the meantime, you asked for it. You got it. It was a fan-created hashtag of picking up on that woke thing. So hopefully there will be more fun stuff like that generated by you, created for you. Take a look on coffeeclatchcrew.com. Once you get the swag, send us pictures of you wearing it with you and your friends. We'll put it on our website. We'll put it on our social media and uh, we'll just keep spreading the word and if there's a good response on this I'll design some more t-shirts absolutely Again. and like he said there it's not just t-shirts there's oh, yeah. sweatshirts there's hoodies posters. there's posters so if you're looking for a Christmas gift for somebody that you know enjoys the show that's another good idea check it out and let us know what you think and next episode we're going to have another huge announcement I can't wait to let you guys know You say another huge announcement. I think there might be two, but you'll have to stay tuned to our season finale, episode 10, to hear that. For now, let's get back to episode 9 and tell me who your MVB of this episode was. All right. I wanted to say Jeffrey Wright again, but I can't do that twice. That's just fucked up. So I'm going to go with William. He finally grew a pair, Mm. maybe gone crazy. And at the same time, I feel bad saying William because I'm thinking Maeve was amazing. Dr. Ford was amazing. Yeah, but we've listed those people. I don't think we've done William yet. So I think that's a good call. Well, here's my cheat. My MVB is Arnold. How's that? Because Arnold was the central character of this episode. Even though we didn't actually see him, everything in it revolved around him. And we saw the mirror reflection, or at least what we think is the essence of who he is in Bernard. So, I got away with giving Bernard without actually saying Bernard again. We've had Bernard as Bernard, Bernard as Jeffrey Wright, and now Bernard as Arnold. But I really mean all of it rolled into one. It was amazing to see what's at the center of all of this. Cheater. No, I love it. All right, and the last section here is discoverwestworld.com and what they had to say about this. Issue 109, at long last, Dr. Ford's new narrative is ready. To celebrate the long-awaited project, the Delos Board of Directors will be visiting the park. As a preferred guest and expert park-goer, we invite you to join in on the celebration should you be up for the journey. The featured location was Sweetwater Hills, Virgil's Last Stand. And we're not going to talk about that now. We'll look more into... The connections and what that could mean, why it's named Virgil, and how many tie-ins we can get out of that one. Clatchers, you go nuts on that for next week. But it's rumored to be Hector Escaton's hideout of choice. Black hats always have a welcome seat at his campfire, and if you're so inclined, Hector especially will do his part to keep you warm. But if you're on the right side of the law coming to collect, check your fear at the door and be prepared to fight for your life. Insider Tips showed us the perfect partner, which was the Truth About Bernard video. And if you watched the episode on HBO, you would have seen that on the inside afterwards. On demand. Yes. And that just gave us a little bit more about the character. It was a good watch. And finally, we had our Delos Inc. host creation training guide. Hmm. This was another one of those great infographics that showed us more about the way the park works. If you pull it up, you can see that there's two ways to go about this. There are new hosts, 
and there are full rebuilds. For the new hosts, they need to develop the characters and work with design to conceptualize the look. So that happens in narrative. Then they're sent down to manufacturing where they print the bodies and assemble them according to the design. Then they go up to behavior. Once basic control unit brains are installed, they calibrate the motor functions and the cognition. Then down to livestock management where they review them for quality control, apply cosmetic touches, and fine-tune their backstories and storylines. And finally, upload the personalities, cornerstones, and drives. Calibrate their specific motions and nuanced cognitions. And then they send them out into the park. It's very cool. It gives you a good bird's-eye view of how it's functioned. Yeah, and just comes in a little bit different. So when there's a full rebuild, they start in livestock management. Then they come up to manufacturing, I guess, so that they can get fixed. And then behavior checks them out, and then they go back down to the park. So I really like when they give us that inside view that yeah. we feel like we're part of it and we're getting the special secrets. And those are the floors Maeve walked through with yeah. Felix, right? Yeah, it's great to get a better idea of that. That reminds me, do you think, so what's Felix doing right now? Is he just shitting his pants? And Sylvester, is he dead? That <laughs> is a very good question. I hope they go back to that in episode 10, although given that they're not main characters, we might, might not, not see them. Did Maeve get that thing removed from her neck? From her C4? We think they <laughs> shut it down. Yeah. When they took oh, her that's up right. there. Yeah. We're pretty sure. It was C6. I was being an idiot. All right. Our final section is Clatcher's comments. Let's give our shout outs. Again, we had great responses as far as our reviews on iTunes. MM Chi 2016. Madeline 384. Crystal the Pathologist. B33890. Chicago Christopher. And Shelby Elizabeth, 77, thank you so much for giving us awesome reviews on our Westworld iTunes channel. We also had a person who put their byline with the name Westworld Podcast, and another person, MB5024, who gave us awesome reviews on our main channel. That's the Coffee Clatch Crew channel. And if you guys don't already know, that's the channel that has every podcast we ever make. So after Westworld, when we move on to the next show, I believe it's Sherlock, you can go to Coffee Clatch Crew and you can be sure to get those podcasts via that channel. I had a couple Twitter responses that were pretty cool I want you guys to hear. At Key to Jail, hashtag Westworld, at CKC Podcast, I just might cry. We wrote that during the episode. <laughs> and we hear you on that. At Orin Shea, at Philly Nuts and at CKC Podcast. Man in Black is doing this because he is trying to make Dolores alive like Maeve was after her trauma. Man in Black loves Dolores. One, it's not alive, it's woke. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. <laughs> so he's trying to, so that's why the Man in Black is there. That answers that question. I like that. Definitely along those same lines, Saw Sound said, what is going on with Dolores, a.k.a. DeLorean? <laughs> <laughs> I like that, because Back to the Future, that was yep. perfect. And Back to the Future had uh, a Western, Back to the Future 2 was out in the West. Yeah. That's perfect. Actually, we should watch that after this. <laughs> Continuing along with the shout-outs, I am just going to massacre this name. Birgit? Birgit? I'm so sorry. Anyhow, she's watching here in Austria and listening to our podcast. Probably wow. a very small minority, so we definitely had to give you a shout-out. And Thank please you. tell me how to say your name right. <laughs> 
Fanatically Correct told us we absolutely better do Sherlock next season and follow it up with Doctor Who. That would be great. Great suggestion. I'd love to do that. Doctor Who, I don't love the new Doctor. He's not new anymore, but uh, we might do it. We might just have to. Yeah, it's still a great show. We got to see what the response is. Maybe we'll get a feel for it with Sherlock. See if yeah. you're liking that train. How many Whovian Clatchers are out there? <laughs> Richard said he loved our outro on last week's podcast. And if you didn't catch that little Easter egg that Jason put in for you, you can go back and listen to the very end of episode eight after it ends. And Clatcher Martin sent us something a little special with his mashup that he put together. Oh, so cool. We do not have that going public in any way yet, but we're going to talk about that with him, and we will let you know if it comes to fruition. Yeah, and if he's listening, we're going to email you soon. It's a it's like a six-minute song that has clips of us uh, with a cool beat in the background. So we need to talk to him, maybe get it down to 30 seconds so we can show it on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, something that we could actually play on the podcast. That would be great. So we'll email you soon, man. One more shout out. I don't remember who this Clatcher was, and I feel awful. A couple of episodes ago, somebody told us Arnold Weber equals Bernard Lowe. And that was before we knew that Arnold's last oh, name was right. Weber, and they found that an- anagram. So I'd like to give you credit. You'll remember who you are. Yes. <laughs> Alicia says Anyone else thinking Elsie is the one Dr. Ford is printing in the lab? The ping of her location was her being finished. Dr. Ford was there before Bernard called her. What do you think? So we talked about that in the episode. We do still think that could be happening. Casual Owens Fields said Benedict Cumberbatch is not in Black Mirror. Okay, that was our correction for the episode. Actually, though, we weren't talking about him in Black Mirror. I know it was confusing because we were actually going back and forth between talking about Sherlock and Black Mirror. We were referencing Sherlock, which, like we said, we are thinking that will be the next one, and that does include Benedict Cumberbatch. So for those of you who love him, you might want to get in on that one. And lastly, over to our email responses. Laura says that the image of the maze looks like a fingerprint. Since she started thinking it, she can't get it out of yeah, her head. Yeah, it kind of does. That would be cool if that played in in some way. And also, anyone notice the Minotaur? Yes, amazing. I actually wrote to her that other podcasts started officially just calling it the Minotaur after yeah. last episode. And it was really exciting that we had that theory going for a while. All thanks to our fans. You Clatchers are the smartest. Adam went along with that same idea of Maeve actually being programmed to do what she's doing. We're led to believe she has reached some sort of awakening or self-realization. However, what if this is part of her makeup, sort of like a meta storyline? If Dr. Ford knows all that's going on, perhaps he programmed this. She seems to ignore the parts of her made-up past regarding her daughter. However, she's failing to ask herself if what she's experiencing now is also part of that narrative. Perhaps hosts have some sort of predisposition that leads them to a higher self-awareness, but it is still not genuine. Lewis emailed in just after episode eight, talking about being more convinced than ever that William is the man in black. And we got more evidence of that this time. But what was really cool is before episode nine, he said, I believe the last time Dolores was in the barn and shot, the bandit is present in that time. And once she did, it triggered something in her to remember the past. That is why we are seeing her adventures with William. This last episode, we saw her in her original blue dress looking at her old town. I think it is the present time she is there, while remembering the time in the past with William, 
hallucinating the incident that happened 30 years ago. I also think eventually Maeve will team up with Bernard at some point because those two seem to be most human with Maeve wanting to take control. Once Dolores finds the man in black and Teddy, I assume we will get more of an explanation on how the man in black wants to fulfill Arnold's work of making everyone aware. Now, holy shit, because that all just started happening in episode nine, you predicted it, which yeah. makes me wonder if all of it could wind up being true. That means the next step, Dolores finding the man in black, which we saw starting at the end of this episode, is going to lead to the ultimate storyline of how he ties in and fulfills or figures out Arnold's work or maybe even finds Arnold himself. Shout out to Fanatically Correct. And finally, our Clatcher Orin. Always writing into us with great stuff. He continued along with the Greek mythology this week, and seeing how well that's played out, I thought we had to talk about it. This time he brings up Plato's theory. All knowledge is hidden within the self. Past life experiences provide a reservoir of knowledge. Between incarnations, the soul can drink from the waters of the Lethe, which is forgetfulness but they can still remember the ancient archetypal past by silencing the mind. This would translate to host memories very well. They have these past lives. It's able to give them knowledge. They are made to forget it, much like drinking of those same waters. But it's still there on some level, and death is never final, so one must actually die to truly live. It's simply the reincarnation of the soul. Hmm. And finally, he talked about the Taoist allegory, the butterfly dream. For those of you who don't know it, it goes, Once upon a time, I dreamt I was a butterfly, fluttering hither and thither. I was conscious only of following my fancies and unconscious of my individuality as a man. Suddenly, I awoke, and there I lay, myself again. Now, I do not know whether I was then a man dreaming I was a butterfly or whether I am now a, a butterfly dreaming I am a man. So, which reality is actually real? And that could open up a whole other can of worms, but the reason he says this is so cool is because in Spanish, mariposa means butterfly. Oh. The bar where Maeve is from. Wow. Oren, you are the man. And he's actually on to two others, which he just started cooking tonight, so hopefully he'll have them served up for our episode 10, and if you want to continue along with that train of thought, Oren, you can go along with the Virgil thing I talked about. I'm sure that can take you to some new heights. As always, we thank you guys so much for providing us information, especially these really awesome theories and tidbits that can help flesh out our episode and make more sense of our amazing season Westworld. We are so excited for episode 10. The season finale. Jason, can you believe we are there already? No, I cannot. Time is flying by. You're getting old. Oh, I'm sorry. We're talking about... We're all getting (laughs) old. We're both getting old. But I feel like we just picked this episode. We just had the Clatcher poll where they decided, let's do this great new season, Westworld. And it's been a great season. Gained more Clatcher followers, and hopefully everyone will follow us over to Sherlock. It's been so exciting having everyone here. I really hope that you will consider doing that. We promise to deliver the same kind of product that you're used to hearing. If you like these episodes, we'll try to follow a similar structure. Obviously, it's a new show. We might have to do certain things differently. We will tell you more about Sherlock when the time comes closer. But stay with us. There's some fun stuff in store for the future. And it's also a pretty short season. That's a three-episode long So even if you're not nuts about it, we'll be off to something new soon, but we want your feedback. What is the next big show after that we should do? 
So if you stick around with us, we'll do another poll and see what comes up after that. For now, next week, we will be reviewing episode 10, the season finale of Westworld, The Bicameral Mind. The summary of that episode says, Ford unveils his vision for a bold new narrative. Enlightened by Bernard and the Man in Black, Dolores comes to terms with who she is. Maeve sets her liberation plan in motion as Westworld faces a major upheaval. We got our Patreon page rolling out soon. We'll give you the details as soon as that's complete. Don't forget to check out the hashtag woke gear on coffeeclatchcrew.com. Rate and review. Give us some shout outs. Follow us on Twitter at CKC Podcast. Until next week, this round's on me. This round is on me. My God. I'm Arnold. Try again.